Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. Like always, we drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone, and we hope that someone is you. I just want to say thank you again to all the listeners each week who take the time to hear the stories of our guests. If you would please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, and share this podcast with your friends, family, and on your favorite social media platforms. We want to get these messages out to the people and to impact the world one testimony at a time. Uh, this morning, I'm excited and grateful, as always, to introduce my guest. He's actually a second-time guest. Welcome, Mitch Anderson. Thanks, buddy. Love Dude, it, man. It's great to have you on again, man. It was I loved our last podcast. I thought we had a great time, and uh, I wasn't sure when we would see you again, but we had a conversation, what, a month ago, and yeah. you have some new things going on in your life. So we're going we're gonna to start over and hear a new part of your life, because... Well, it's been six months. Yeah, no, I totally, totally, uh, I'm grateful. Can't, yeah, uh, yeah. can't thank you enough, yeah. man. Dude. So for those listeners out there, yeah. if you have not listened to Mitch's first podcast, go back to, I think, summertime in January, listen to Mitch's first podcast so you get kind of a an idea who Mitch really is, because we're going to pick up from where we left off and figure out where he's at today. So, so Mitch, um, the things that were kind of on your heart and mind uh, you started a new Bible study with mm. some guys. Uh, we'll talk about Captain's Log. That's yeah. the name of it, right? Totally, yeah. And that's a spinoff of your book, Attributes of Manhood. For Is sure. That right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. You and your wife did have a baby since we last met, because last time your wife was pregnant, and then in April, April 20th, yep. you have a new baby, a little baby girl. You're going to tell us about Sailor Grace. We're going to talk about... Uh, some interviews you've been having on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing those videos, by the way. So if, if, by the way, all the listeners out there, go find Mitch on Instagram. He's got a lot of great video content. goes back a long ways, actually, to early music days. I think 2010, yeah, sure. 2011. Yep. Yep. But I love the questions you're asking men, even young men, old men, on the streets, yeah. what does it mean to be a man? Something like that. Is that the question? For sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's evolved, but it's definitely, uh, it's kind of the core. You know, you, you start out with some kind of vision, um, and then at this point, um, there's this there's this aim. I don't want to miss the forest through the trees, and mm. and the forest is Jesus, you know? And mm. so um, that's kind of how, how it has evolved. You kind of take maybe a, maybe a high point of culture, and then you're saying, actually, yeah, but back at the core, you know, it starts with him. And so that's... That's kind of where things are evolving to, uh, if that makes if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you had invited me to one of your Bible studies, and mm-hmm. I, it's on a Monday night at seven seven thirty. Yep. Yeah. So I, I made it to, to one so far. So kind of you. So kind no, it was of you. fun. Uh, and and when I was there, I met your dad, Keith. Yes. And so when you and I showed up this morning, we were talking about working out because you look like you've been working out. Like you look like you're in great shape. I'm like, what's going on, dude? So tell me what you told me. You you had to join a courthouse or and then yeah, for sure. So walk I, uh, me through that real quick, and then we'll kind of dive into the story. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, as far as uh, we we wanted to have a, a membership to a swimming pool, and so um, to do that, you have to have a membership to a club, and uh, I had to justify paying for the membership in order to have access. And so that that was kind of in a nutshell, saying, "Hey, babe, if we're going to do this, I also got to work out." And so uh, <laughs> that That's that was good. kind of the play, and it's uh, it's worked out, you know. Okay. And what's cool is you know nobody, nobody can see us, so I can be as jacked as as you as you say I am, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, your your arms are. You, 
Either you got the tight shirt on or, or nice, you got nice. bigger arms. I'm not sure. Hey, which. if you want to say, you know, I look like Arnold, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the new Netflix documentary, but uh, hey, go ahead. Nobody would know. You okay. Know? All right. <laughs> I love it, man. But you were, you were saying that you were actually, before working out, you were actually a runner, more of a runner. Yes. Yeah. But then you talked about your dad a little bit. So tell me about your running history. Then I want to hear the story about your dad. Yeah. Because um, I know a little bit. Well, you're going to talk about Steve Prefontaine. Well, yeah, in a, so tell in me a, a nutshell, um, that's kind of the the main claim. Uh, he did get to race against him. He was sick with mono when he when he competed against Prefontaine. Yeah. Um, and so m- my argument is that he would have won. <laughs> uh, Dad says otherwise. You know, he's much. You know, he's he humble. was the the athlete, right? Yeah. But uh, in my head, he he could do no wrong. Um, mm. The stories that I had uh, heard. So you know, in high school, he was actually the fifth fastest man in the nation. Wow. Um, got a full ride to the University of Washington. Um, was running uh, the two mile in I think it was eight forty. So he had splits of four twenty. That's um, sick. Yeah, he was just back. You know, that was thirty five, forty years ago. So he was a, he was a, he was definitely um, at the apex of kind of collegiate competition um, and all that good stuff. So yeah, a two minute mile in eight forty. That's a good yeah, mile for me. Yeah. I, I'd be happy to run a mile in eight forty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I, I hear you. So for me, as far as running goes, it was just that's that was the norm because yeah. my dad, he, yeah. he, I can remember him always running four miles a day was just a drop in the bucket, you know. And so for me, it's like, hey, this is, this is just what you do as a man. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's good for your heart, good for your brain. Yeah, a little tough on your joints, but you know, you 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 work through that, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. no, it's good. So your dad went to what high school? He was a Battleground Washington. Um, okay. So I think that's Battleground High, I think is the name. So of, it makes yeah. sense he went to U- yeah, UW. Un- yep. And yeah, so, for sure. And then Steve Prefontaine, Coos Bay guy. Yes. My mother-in-law went to high school with him, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no way. Yeah, in Coos Bay. So my wife's from Coos wow. Bay, North Bend. And uh, did Prefontaine go to Oregon? Is that where he? That's what I know. Uh, yeah. According to his history, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Yep, yeah. That, that, I think so. What an yeah. interesting story, but yeah. what a what a stud. Yeah, no, he he definitely had it on American soil. He could do no wrong. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That was. It's unfortunate his you know his demise, his end. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't take away from the intrigue of his yeah. story for sure. So your dad was pretty competitive. Very. Like. Yeah. How does that? relate to you or did you grow up uh, remind me of your s- siblings how many yeah so i had uh, two two sisters and then we adopted when i was 14 a brother uh okay. yeah jeremy your so. sisters younger older uh one older one younger okay so you're a middle i'm a middle you're a middle. middle yeah yeah so that has to be pretty competitive you got two older si- or two sisters yep. on both sides of you yep so poor mitch yeah, well, I mean, not definitely not uh-huh. poor. I, I, uh, um, had I had more brothers, you know, at the younger years, I probably would have been even more competitive. Yeah. So they, they definitely, in a good sense, mellowed me out. You know, the in in uh, psychology, you know, the 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 masculine identity is far more disagreeable. The female feminine identity is far more um, agreeable. And so when you take a a, bio, a biological man that is, um, you know, more disagreeable on that and you stick him with some agreeable women, you know, he kind of gets the rough edges melded out. So Ooh. maybe if I was 80% disagreeable, they gave me 20 or 30% more agreeableness. And I'm, I'm more of a balance, I That's think. Interesting. You know? That's interesting. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Why are men more disagreeable? Explain yeah, that well, one. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I obviously have to go to the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the credentialed, right? So uh, Jordan Peterson yep, um, Jordan and Peterson. Jonathan Haidt, yeah. um, both those obviously are, are there's a psychologist and then obviously a sociologist um, professorship. They got many books, um, and it's just according to their research, you know, that as they have seen. And I think 
Jordan Peterson, I can't speak for Jonathan Hyde, but Peterson, Dr. Peterson would probably allude it to, to be nurturing biologically, you know, for the mother. So uh, the first five years, there was an, there's an agreeableness that has to be there. Hmm. If it was all masculine dominated, we probably would all be Spartans. Like children yeah. would be, you know, oh, you're crying, you know, slap in the face and you, you know, a, a newborn. And I'm thinking of, you know, Salem, my little girl. It's like, you know what? You can cry for four or five hours and you're just going to work through it. Now, maybe, the, <laughs> you know, is there some benefit in a cold world that we live in that maybe that's a, you know, could be a benefit, but um, no, obviously that's, that's very harsh and, and cold. So there is this, this thing that God knew, I think, is mm. that hunter gatherers, so men would have to go out, take on the harsh reality of world disagreeability is, is works in that favor mm, as yeah. opposed to, you know, the, the, the safety of the home. The nurturing. Um, exactly. Nurturing yeah. would be there. So that's just off the cuff, I think. So you think it's important for a mom and dad to stay together and raise their kids together and there's a benefit? <laughs> so yeah. vital. Okay. Yeah. So vital. Yeah. yeah. But in, in America or probably in the world, what's the divorce rate? Well, you know, it's funny because I've off the cuff, we kind of say it's 50%, right? One out of two marriages end in divorce. Yeah. I've heard that it's actually more closer to 36% yeah. um, and in divorce. So it's not as drastic. I've heard that um, as well. But I think simultaneously is that uh, far less... Uh, people are getting married and they're just living together. So it's, you know, you could say maybe that divorce rate has gone down because uh, the younger generation millennials have seen, hey, my parents, they just got divorced. Why would I waste the time? Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, we'll, we'll say we love each other. We'll commit to each other and yeah. we're good, you know, yeah. and then there's, there's no divorce. So obviously that's all speculative, but. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I've heard the same thing where one and two are in a divorce of marriages. And then I've heard, you know, more like the mid thirties. But then the question is, how many marriages are actually on the brink of divorce? I think that's a, a question is, and what are we as men doing to um, work through that? Yeah. I, I, I'm i not saying we're fully responsible, but leadership does come from men, you know, as we lead our wives. And that's tough. Yeah. And as a man, I don't always want to be the leader. I just want to take a back row. Would you agree on that? Is that are For men sure. somewhat uh, by nature passive is that a fair well it's funny because i think that um you know you stick a man outside the world and he'll he'll go gung-ho and i don't i i try to understand you know what that's all about and, and why that's the case but it, it you you could um it would be safe to reason that the moment he steps inside his, the four walls of his home he kind of shuts down he wants the couch he wants to click on the tv and mm. kind of zone out um comfort zone what comfort zone yeah com comfort zone maybe that's you know that mm. could be a thing it's kind of this many times the the man like the bosses that have ruled me in my um spheres of influence and what, what you know when i go to to work in the career world i would say are the shell of the men that you would see them at home like mm. they're they're not what they are at home and and maybe that is because we're just exhausted right it's it's done you're right they're just uh, shutting off you know right is that a good enough excuse to just shut off and be passive at home? This and is the sadness because the the times where our children, who we are most, arguably the most people we're ever going to impact, need us most, yeah. is that two to three hours, right, in the evening. Mm -hmm. When it's like, listen, you know, kid number one, kid number two, uh, I can't remember your name. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, go. Just go. I don't yeah. have anything left to give you. Right. And, um also, there's there's really no benefit from you. You're only a burden right now, and it's it's so ch unfortunate that this is where mm -hmm. our culture finds ourselves. And mm -hmm. and I see the pull inside. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, I definitely see the pull inside. I can't wait for seven o'clock to come where I can. You know what, kids? It's quiet time. It's bedtime. 
you go to bed and yeah. then it's it's yeah. me time, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, obviously this is this benefit that God knew when he designed the family was no, this is going to pull you out of yourself. Mm. You're going to have to def- deny yourself. And I think this is why it's so awesome when a, as a culture, and obviously we've we've missed this, yeah. dives into bearing, uh, I'll, I'll use an ant- antiquated word, but bearing as many kids as you feel reasonably that your family can ha- yeah. can handle. Yeah. For us, I think it's four. I think that's yeah. the, I think that's <laughs> we'll where, see, we're, right? where we're stopping. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that little squeak there. Yeah. That, that must be the exhaustion, you yeah, know. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, uh, yeah, so, so, so this is where we're trying to, and, and obviously it's, you know, between what you're doing, buddy, and um, I think many men are rising up where it's mm. like, no, you know what? God has called us to be most active when we're in, with our families, yeah, right? To be yeah. most vigilant and ready and everything should be channeled and kind of honed and geared there. Hence why, you know, Attributes of Manhood, the book had been written. Hence yeah. why um, started that devotional, Captain's yeah, Log, yeah. Um, trying to get in the conversation. You know, is it the kind of impact that um, the world might say is, oh, now it's happening? I think it's the kind of impact that God wants, you know, calculated for the type of impact that I can handle. And, and I don't think any man knows what he can handle. I, uh, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but um, one of the the, the um, Captain Log's Bible studies, we had spoken of the faith of Noah. And the question that we we begged there was, what is your ark? Trying to, to quicken men to ask this question, what is your ark, right? And, you know, um, we can sometimes just, we can think it took about 120 years, but in historically, it actually was from 57, 55 to 75 years was what the ark actually took. And I was, as I was contemplating this further, is that when Noah got the call to build his ark, uh, they had no idea what rain was. They had seen obviously bodies of water and they had, it, it was the dew of the ground, right? Okay. And so what is so interesting with this is for Noah, he would say, well, are you going to, is it going to be a massive spring of dew that's going to flood the earth? You know, when he's called out to build this ark, um, are the bodies of water going to come inland? Like, what are you going to do? How, what do you mean open the heavens? You know, how do, how do I know that's going to come? And so it's like this, I was trying to implore men to think when we're called to something, something that we're going to have to believe our whole lives for, that's an impossibility, it would be likened to, and I liken it to this, when Steve Jobs built the cell phone there were no cell towers if mm. I'm if I'm correct I you know I'm, I'm not a, an engineer but I believe there were no cell towers there was different kinds of like f- power lines yeah so there's this and I know uh, Steve Jobs was supposedly a Buddhist right um, but the, the 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 correlation here that I that I thought was so powerful is that sometimes God will call you to something that you don't even have the avenue mm. to be able to accomplish the actual object of the faith so you know, for Noah, it could have looked like rain was needed. And what would that even look like? Well, Steve Jobs had to step out in faith to build the cell phone without even the cell tower. And so there is this fascinating thing that I was wrestling in my own mind was that many times the faith of Noah could look like in the end, your fans have all died, right? There was nobody else on earth. There was only six of them or yeah, I think I did the math right there. Six or eight of them. And what is so interesting about that is that so many times we think of impact as like, well, I'm going to have a bunch of fans, right? But at the, the climax of Noah's faith, everybody disappeared, 
right? Everybody was gone. And simultaneously, Noah saves the hist- the future of, of the globe, yeah, right? Yeah. And so this, this thought in my head is like, no, no, no. Our faith needs to be so drastic yeah. that the outcome is completely in God's hands. And the destiny of your faith could be that you actually experience the least amount of celebrity status, the least amount of anything, which at this point I'm likening to being a father in your home, mm-hmm. zero accolades, zero <laughs> praise, very few of our children, and I believe this for my kids, right, but are going to end up like Michael Jordan. Like we know Jordan's father really invested in him heavily, but n- not all of our kids are going to end up that way, right, or, or even the gratitude that comes back. And so for me, it's like we have to be willing to pour an endless amount of faith into our family, into mm. our kids for zero praise, zero accolades. And it's yeah. this this faith to see the future of the destiny God has on our lives. Um, I know there's a rabbit trail, but that, that no, that's, that's this good. thing that's just been so quickening me mm. of what, you know, kind of a where God is trying to channel men in their homes, yeah. in their spheres of influence, right? To, to really change and impact the world. Not for our glory, right? Everybody faded when Noah achieved the object of his faith, right? Yeah. The ark and all that. And I think that's, that's, we can grasp so much from that as men, you know, in our quest and pursuit of God. Uh, so something I was thinking about is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You know, as a dad, I don't feel qualified. I don't know about you, but, and did Noah feel qualified to build this great big ark? Yeah. You know, and did he just move forward in faith day by day? And so, man, that's, that was, that was good. I, I love that. Story of Noah, and I, I might have been at that Bible study. That was Bible study, I think I was out. We were talking yeah, about yeah, Noah, yeah. and there might have been a couple of different episodes that you guys had of that one, but yeah, you know, so a couple of things that will lead into this attributes of manhood and really going down the captain's log story. You guys had Sailor Grace yeah. a couple months ago. What has that meant to your family? To and how do your kids feel about Sailor Grace, and how are you and your wife doing that? Yeah, how are you as a man showing up for your four children? Well, I'd say primarily for your wife and then your four children, because, you know, Jesus came to serve and not be served. And we as men, we, we work a hard day. We come home and we want to be served, right? Yeah. So how do you set aside what it is you desire and go serve your family? Because that's where you're leading us to as men. Yeah. It's not easy. I don't always want to come home. And there's an acronym I just share, share with you. I may have shared it last time, but... HALT, H-A-L-T. Have you ever heard of that one? I've not. So at the end of the day, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's when you got to be careful. It's like when you want to come home, plop down the couch, watch ESPN <laughs> or whatever, be served. But that's actually when we're called to, to serve our family. So, you know, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, or when you're tired, those things affect us. Yeah. It could be one, it could be all four. So for me, I have to be very careful about my attitude. Yeah. And so, all right. So Dude, lead I us love, in. I love HALT, man. I mean, that that's that's an acronym that'll that'll definitely mm. hit there. And yeah. I hear definitely certain, you know, uh, men that are like, yeah, usually I got to take five minutes in the driveway just yeah. to decompress and then I'm, I'm game on, yeah. you know. So. I was talking to a guy yesterday, a guy I work with, and, you know, how do we decompress from a day of work and then transition to a magically wonderful husband at home and a father? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's, it's almost impossible. So what is the, what is that transitional piece? Is it going to the gym first? Is it going for a run, going for a walk, praying? What is that? Again, I don't know the answer. But for me, there is a transitional period of time where uh, I'm doing something before I walk in my house yeah. just to make sure my head's right. And I don't, I don't always do it perfectly, but that is the goal. Yeah. But 
Well, lead us through, uh, you know, your last book. Yeah. You know, you're doing this new Bible study. And by the way, I was encouraged. I, I show up at your Bible study, get to meet your dad. That was cool. Met some other men. And then you led us in worship. You know, you're playing guitar, you're singing. Dude, you're gifted. I'm really, really jealous. In in a biblical way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Is there yeah, biblical yeah. jealousy? Maybe sure. Right? Maybe sure. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I was really encouraged by that because uh, you have some really good, awesome, mm-hmm. amazing gifts that God's gifted you with. And you're not wasting those. You're not yeah. burying your talents uh, or your giftings. You're actually using those. Yeah. You know, at 7.30 at night on a Monday when you'd probably rather be home relaxing. So walk us through that. You yeah. know, what, what does that mean to you and why are you doing it? I think that's the biggest pull um, for men is because I see myself, it's like, dude, do I have anything left at 7.30? Mm. Um, especially to like wrestle with the deep things of God. Um, I don't. And I know that other men don't either. A lot of the men have kids at home. They've just had a, you know, it's Monday. So they probably had the worst day of the worst work day of the week. And then I'm going to come here. I get the sacrifice. Right. Um, but many times, I mean, what's more of this kind of this sacrifice of praise or sacrifice to God? Like, hey, I'm given to you, God. And I want need something mm. in return. Mm. Um, and so there's this, there's this, I guess, this simultaneous thing of, of where so many times and I'm 100% guilty of this, is that I may shut down and may consume what pop culture says is a good relaxing time, a good movie, mm-hmm. um, a good Netflix show, a good binge watch, uh, maybe some good dialogue. If, if I can get, if I have enough energy to have a good dialogue with my wife, that that would be great. But I would say usually it's kind of wasted, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and so we kind of just uh, pass our evenings off to, I won't say the enemy, but I, I will say we pass it off to just all right, culture, whatever you know, wherever you take me. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm my end game here is to get some sleep, right? And so I just need to shut down and kind of wind down. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not. I, I, I could almost argue that it's kind of amoral. It's like you know, whatever our evenings might be amoral. They, mm-hmm. There's not really this kind of defined term there. And so in some ways it's like, Hey, can I pull something back from the enemy? Can I, can I take maybe something back where maybe we just, we in faith offer a little bit enough for us in this last session on Monday night, it was like, God, for the sacrifice that the men in here have given to come here. And I know what that sacrifice Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Um, please multiply it. Right. Much like we, and that the prayer was just like the, the boy offered his five loaves of bread and two fish, God multiplies it. And and we're going to, I'm going to follow up with the guys, obviously in the next session, how was the multiplication? You sacrificed the Monday evening. Did God give you the strength for the week where our our big prayer that night was, Hey God, let this Monday night feel like a Friday night. Mm. Let this, let this Monday night and let it feel like a weekend, you know, let, let us sense your spirit moving through us. And so it's that, that kind of quickening that says, Hey, I'm, I'm not qualified to be the father that is necessary to raise four kids. So if I'm already not there and you just said, what is it? He calls the unqualified, he doesn't qualify the uncalled or he, however it goes. Yeah, he, he, he qualifies the call or he doesn't qualify. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Yeah. So good. So, I, I like how I kind of, yeah. I, I messed it up for yeah, you. But, that's okay. Yeah. So, so that's been a huge push. I would say definitely kind of at the, the apex of what Captain's Log has been about. And I think at its heart, um, as I now jump out into book two, um, I'm working on chapter one and it's been, it's been eye opening and encouraging kind of for, for where attributes of manhood is at. And, um, at any given point, I, the aim of this attributes of manhood, uh, actually of Captain's Log, is that men would feel they have a voice. So um, there will be a main focus mm-hmm. uh, on a certain attribute um, 
that a man of God would possess. And then at the end, we have this discussion kind of around it. And usually it can go about 20 to 30 minutes. And what I've, what, what the joy inside of me, um, which is the same thing that I, I feel when I'm sitting and I'm, I'm aroused for God, right? By some powerful message or some powerful something, but it stays in the pew. It stays in the chair and it doesn't get to go anywhere. And then I leave, but there's this activation that happens in discussion where there are men that I, respect to the nth degree. And I know in many ways they have more knowledge than the thing I just spoke about. Mm. And so what is more powerful than number one, challenging what's been said to, to affirm the truth of scripture theologically. And then number two, also encouraging what has been said in all of us and we hold each other accountable. So what is more powerful than talking about the faith of Noah and then asking all the men there, what is your ark? And are you going to step out on that ark? Even though you may not see anything for 55 years, 75 wow. years. Yeah. And so then we get we get invited into this quest of, I want to hold you accountable to your ark, to your faith that mm. you're going, even though there may be mockery and people may say, dude, what are you doing? There was five people there. Yeah. Dude, what are, <laughs> what, but, but that was the size of the ark. Six, you know, six people. Yeah. When Noah accomplished his greatest thing, Jesus had 12 disciples. He didn't have a massive army, which as we all know, he could have. What is so ironic to me is that Jesus could have had the most successful kingdom yeah. that would have stood for eternity. Yeah. And I, I, in my head, I'm, I'm perplexed because I'm like, God, why would you, why would that not be your play? Because in my mind, I think in most of our minds, logically, it just makes sense. Totally. If you can, you, you, and you'd also have perfect followers. I know yeah. that Jesus is so perfect. And this is a claim here, right? Uh, we could take the worst people throughout history that if Hitler came in, and I'm Hitler or Saddam Hussein, or if, if they came into contact with the actual Jesus, I, my, my next uh, submission, my next claim would be that even they could not refuse him yeah. if he performed his whatever, not just signs, because he also refutes that theologically. But my my uh, the, the basis for my claim here is that the, the difficulty, I think, that only Jesus would know is that if if Hitler, somebody that wouldn't mm. actually love Jesus genuinely, then would only actually be a fan. He wouldn't be a follower, right? And so I think Jesus knows this is the only way he could do it so that his signs and miracles didn't just create fans that follow him and adhere to him because like, how can I not? It's, we all love Michael Jordan. He's too uh, incredible. Patrick Mahomes, take whatever, you know, celebrity you want or uh, crazy athlete um, who performs these amazing feats. It's like, Duh. There's no question. I think mm-hmm. he's amazing. And, and there's a there's a tinge of worship that wells up inside of me when I um, see, you know, hear Adele sing this a crazy, beautiful song. I'm moved. But I don't I, I don't want to fall on the sword for that person. Right. And so I think there's this thing that only God knew that if I show him my glory, I will only create fans not followers. And and this is kind of that that piece for me where Jesus could have done this thing, but if he sets up his kingdom on earth the way that we think so, it's it's obviously not in God's design. Yeah. And so there's this shift that I I want God to well, I believe God is moving where it doesn't in order for this faith piece, this this follow of Christ to look good, it doesn't have to be viral. It doesn't have to be a billion likes. Now all, the outcome of all that is in his hands. So he, he gets to do whatever he wants with that. But that's this quest where I'm on where it's like, men, I want to awaken all of us because we need to get this idea that if we're going to have this great idea and step out, it better also go viral. It better hmm. also have this amazing thrust behind it. And I think Jesus is saying, no, uh, pursue me. 
Let me take care of the outcome, right? Pursue me, step out in faith, build your ark. It's funny. I, I didn't expect this to be kind of focused on the ark, but it's uh, it's flowing with me right now. So, hmm. so this Bible verse on my phone, it's Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's nothing else. Yeah. There, there is nothing else. You bring in some really valid points. Yeah, Jesus had, what, 12 disciples, and uh, well, Noah had, what, six or eight <laughs> yep, yep. family yeah, yep. yeah, that made it before God shut the, the door on the ark. Yeah. What you're saying is that we don't need to go viral and be famous, mm-hmm. but we do need to be not just a fan, but a follower of Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's like a book title. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Something like that. That's real good. You might have just you might have just had it. Yeah. Wanna... So real quick, your your new book, your your first book was Attributes of Manhood. Yeah. The second book is called what? Well, it's supposed to be volume two. Okay. So at this point, um, the 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 aim is Attributes of Manhood. Haven't figured out the subheading or if it's just going to say volume two on it. Um, still wrestling through that. Hmm. Um, had had the five chapters. You know, we're. Um, in the, in the middle of research, that kind of thing, um, definitely on on chapter one. It's been a great process because mm. um, as as you go through, you know, you begin any journey, you it's it's not going to look the same by the time you you know as to where you end up. Yeah. And so, um, what's great is because I want this thing once again. It it has to flow from the Spirit of God. That's the only reason I would want to waste anybody's time to read it. Um, and obviously, mm. heavy research and and we you know. We don't throw our intellect to the wind. Like that's yeah. that's definitely not what I'm after. Um, but I want something that can actually encourage men and, and be viable yet again. And so this uh, this uh, first chapter that I'm working on, I'll just pull back the cover a little bit, but it's yeah. on contentment. And uh, it's been really powerful in my life. And um, I just I, – I believe that these things can be so moving, you know, on a level that is that is unheard of by – establishing value once again to the things that God values, you know? So a couple questions. Uh, Chapter one on contentment. What verse does that coincide with? I'm sure there's probably a Bible verse somewhere in there. For sure. And then secondly, why do you call your Bible study Captain's Log? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I'm going to, you know, uh, we'll we'll throw it out to my my good buddy. Um, I think, I mean, I I definitely want to throw it out to him because he – he was the the founder of the name. It was like I was wrestling with my with my friend of what can I call this because I don't want to call it a devotional because um, that doesn't excite me as no. a man, no. um, and I don't think it excites most men. I'm gonna I don't want to do a devotional like what 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 is this any good? And so immediately off the cuff, uh, Michael Barco just said uh, it's Captain's Log, and this is a skill set he possesses. I I don't know what I'd call it, but it's just like dude, seriously, it's branding. I think is a, a skill set you know yeah, he definitely yeah. possesses. So shout out to you, Michael Barco. Um, um, yeah, so Captain's Log, and then and what else is Captain's Log supposed to to elicit? But that you've just had a great adventure, and you're documenting your adventure. And so for the man of God, Captain's Log is just a documentation of your adventures with Him, right? Mm. And it's the same template I use to write the uh, uh, first attributes of manhood. Yeah. And so following into the second one, that's definitely um, kind of that piece there, and, and hopefully it excites men. Um, Captain's Log is a continuation of more attributes than what I've just covered. So my first book covered five. And for every man who fills out, there's 10 options to fill out 10 attributes. Yeah. Um, 
And each one, I believe, is yet another definition of what a man looks like under God. And it should be endless. You know, it, 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 God has so many great attributes to be able to me, that we mirror because we're obviously made in the image of God that we mirror about our creator. So the, the things that we get to possess as men then are also possessed by God, our savior, right? And so that's this, this huge piece um, that I think Captain, Captain's Log is really supposed to aim at. Um, you know, speaking of contentment on, you know, which verse it was, yeah. uh, Philippians 11 through 13. Um, Philippians 4? Yeah, yeah, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is, it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Um, and I want to hold off on that last Ooh, portion. I know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. Uh, of course you do. Uh, because I've only ever used that last verse for accomplishment, for achievement, for doing great things, right? So right. let's just shelve that. I, we still haven't you know, pulled back the veil. And we're already – we're chomping at the bit to be able to know what the following verse is. But this, this, this piece here, I've learned this secret. Um, all my life when I'd hear that, I'd be like, what was Paul talking about? Mm. What, what secret of contentment do you mm. know that I – don't know, but I never looked any deeper, right? So finally, uh, I think it was a, a year ago or whatever, I decided to look deeper. The Greek word there is mueyu, and it means to initiate into the mysteries a lesson, right? That, that's that's the, the the uncovering of that. And what do you have to have if you're going to be going to have a lesson? You have to have a teacher, right? Yeah. Somebody that's not you. You have to have a, a credible, authoritative figure, right? Um, and then to initiate into the mysteries means you have to have an initiator. It's like a key to a car. Like you, if you don't have a key, you cannot turn on a car. And I'm not saying you can rip open the spark plugs. Like you don't get to be MacGyver and you, <laughs> all this stuff, right? Or James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so this, this fascinating piece that I said was that I, that I discovered here through Paul's writing is, wow, I don't have any access on my own to be content. It is impossible for me to achieve contentment. It has to come from outside of myself. So I, I was so perplexed because as I'm wrestling with this concept, it's like, all right, God, so there is this thing that is impossible to get to, which means mm. I want it even more now. Mm. So what, what are we going to do, God? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Paul then elicits this beautifully saying the only access we have to content to contentment is to have access to the author of contentment, to the fulfillment of, right? Um, this crazy interesting thing that we get when we look at achieving contentment. So if we desire contentment on our own, we're never going to get to it. It's that thing that's always out of reach. I think of the Buddhist monk in the you know high mountains of Asia, always pursuing this nirvana, which is, you know, obviously freedom from desire, right? Yeah, God doesn't want that. He he wants us to have desire still. He created it. And this is what I argue with in the book is that uh, contentment is the guard of desire, right? It, it's it's a, uh, um, a limiting agent, you know, that would keep it at bay because mm -hmm. if desire left unchecked is just dangerous. You will never be fulfilled because if you have a million- We want more. We want more, right? You nailed it, right? It's, there's there's no fulfillment there. But then there's this weird thing because if I have contentment, I do not need the million dollars to feel like I just had a million dollars. And I will never want more 
of the of the million dollars for fulfillment if I accept this place of contentment that can only be granted by God, right? And so this this crazy thing. So now we're going to get to Philippians four thirteen. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we only most people just live on that. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we miss the whole context. And I, I mean, I I would say that after before every test, you know, I'd say I don't worry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was about achievement before a game. I'd be like, hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was achievement, right? And I think actually, if we take it in context and the way Scripture was written, it doesn't have all these breaks. Like it, it's a flow. It's a follow through. It's simultaneously actually has to do with abasement. I can be great with less. I can achieve more with less. It's mm. it's not about me adding to myself. It's actually about me subtracting from myself. In in context of this, I can do all things through Christ. It's actually like, wow, you know what, God? Everything in me wants a mansion, but somehow. I can feel more fulfilled by not getting the mansion and being content in my thousand square foot home. I won't call it a shack because, you know, we're in America. So, yeah. so this this thousand square foot apartment yeah, and it's yeah. like, dude, wait, how, how in the world? Because it's so miraculous. How can I have access to more joy hmm. than the millionaire down the street in his mansion? So that's that's kind of this idea that I wrestle with. Wow. Then you go back to like Philippians 4, 4. You know, Paul saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. We can just pause right there and just like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a mic drop right there, what Paul said. But then he continues going on through that whole message. I don't think I ever knew that the contentment was really outside my reach. I thought yeah. it was something, I just need to be content. And, yeah. and that there's probably some truth to that, but that's not necessarily what you're saying. Yeah, just based on, yeah, what Paul was alluding to. Yeah. Um, in you know, kind of in that the original translation, uh, and 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 I I I find it very encouraging for myself um, because yeah. we've all met you know whether we've we've served him in our workplace we've met the millionaire who's like dude why are you so grumpy like we, you just pulled up in a Jaguar well, well how about the billionaires that are in a submarine right now yeah and uh, <laughs> they have no oxygen yeah money I was reading in Proverbs this morning that you know pursuing riches. It flees away or flies away, and it's not what we should be about, but being content. Okay, so it all sounds good, Mitch. You know, it sounds like we have this all figured out. But how are you doing in your real life? I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, you're a guy like me. Do you struggle with this? Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. I mean, there's there's zero question. It's like the aim of <clears throat> every man is to definitely achieve these virtues. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is I end the first book with the spirit of God, right? There is nothing we can achieve without the spirit of God. So it is a, it is a constant wrestling. And I find that whenever I embark on a, um, on a journey, mm -hmm. I have more affliction in that pursuit than ever. Right. So if I'm trying to scout God, what are the secrets of contentment? He wants to try to afflict you with saying, you need, you need more. You need to get out of this. You know, if you, if you hate your career position, then you're like, no, no, I, I need something else contentment can sit there right and then you you can begin you know what god i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and be content and glad and i think the reason why god might love contentment so much it's cuz it's it's an admission it's an admission of our incapability right to accomplish and it's like god i got to give it to you well i think what i'm learning here and i need to go back and do my own study but the word virtue it's a virtue is not something i possess a virtue is something i'm given by god and so what you're saying is contentment is not something I can conjure up on my own. Oh, just be happy, be content. 
Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Is that, is that, that's it, man. That's, wow. That's I don't so think it. I actually ever got that. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Well, cause you think there is this crazy thing that if, if I, and you know, usually the, the greatest thoughts I have are when I'm like sitting down on the couch, you know, not doing a whole lot. You're just wrestling with your thoughts. And so if I per se want a, uh, Corvette, you yeah. know, which I, which I could, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I sit there and I will, uh, I don't want my, I don't want the Corvette that inherently a desire is stemming from a, I want this, which means if I want it, I do not possess the ability to not want it. I liken it to appetites and hunger. It's kind of like if I, if I think about willing my hunger away, um, now I'm sure that, uh, I think it's David Doggins, uh, isn't it David Doggins? Um, Goggins or? Yeah. Goggins. Cheap. I should know this. Maybe so. Um, yeah, well, he he's he's kind of the the forerunner of um, just denial of self, like cold ice baths. I think he's climbed Everest in his bare feet. Um, you know, so he he possesses a, a very strong will, which is yeah. I'm not faulting that at all. There's there's a there's another virtue that goes alongside with that, like self discipline and all yeah. that. But in the context of contentment, mm. um, if I like something, it means I already possess the inability to not like it. Um, this this odd thing you're not necessarily a content person if you just naturally don't desire a mansion like if you're if your your personality says you know what i don't really want a bigger house anyways you can't claim content contentment simultaneously does it, i hope i'm making sense yeah. you you the only time you contentment is verified is when you you actually have something you want and then you you simultaneously say you know what i'm cool without it because without without the yeah. the two uh, differences, you can't have contentment because there would be no need. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Ooh. I don't really have any desire at this point to join the octagon in UFC. Really? You sure? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. Right? I can't. I kind of secretly. I, I kind of secretly do, but it I would have be. a fantasy to be Conor McGregor. But oh, there's, yeah. I can't handle the hits. I can't. No. I his. I just. I just couldn't handle it in any world. Right. So, but if I said, you know what? I'm going to give up that dream. I, I'm not enacting contentment to be fine without it because I don't actually want it. Right. I have to want the thing. Before you cannot want before it. Before I cannot want it, which means I am. it is incapable in me to be able to be content about a thing that I don't want. And I know that, you know, the, the word uh, salad there could be a, a bit puzzling to follow. Um, but this is, this is the beauty of why I think it, it to... To achieve contentment from a desire, you would, if you're being intellectually honest, you have to have somebody else give it to you. You have to have something from outside of yourself, a piece of the divine that would drop contentment for you and say, you know what, Mitch, that's okay. You don't need that. <laughs> what you need is me. Because mm. obviously um, there's a, a quote by uh, St. Augustine and he says, the soul is restless until it, until it finds its rest in the creator, right? And that's Soul kind of this. Russell's note finds this rest in the creator. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I, wow. that's contentment, right? It's, it's like we're finding our rest in God. It's like, God, actually, yeah, I don't need yeah, that thing. Yeah. I find my rest in you. I find my soul is at peace. It's fully contented in you, mm. you know? Yeah. You know what's cool about this here, Mitch? I think every six months, you and I are going to have this podcast because there's a lot of depth. Uh, you're a deep thinker. I sometimes don't think my thinking's very deep. I'm probably middle of the road, but you're a really deep thinker and you're causing me to think. I'm pretty sure a lot of people on this podcast will be going like, holy cow, 
But I think every six months, you and I should hop back on here. I love it. And man. figure out where you're at. What's God working with you? Uh, what book are you on? <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, Lord willing. Yeah, Lord willing, man. Um, I'm encouraged, man. So good. You're a good brother, man. You really care about men, even though you have a, a fourth now baby and you and your wife are probably exhausted, but uh, you're still doing it, man. So I appreciate your your faithfulness uh, to the Lord, to men, to your family. How do we encourage you, man, to keep on the same road? Because there's discouragement in life. You know, there's discontentment if we aren't being surrounded by men. How do we pray for you? Yeah, I I can... I think the the heart of me is that I'm I'm prone to the same proclivities that every man is also pulled to, right? Is prone to, mm-hmm. and um, I don't want to deny or fail fall to, um, I guess, the exhaustion of believing where. Once again, back to just kind of this process of um, will I stay the course? Uh, I simultaneously have been really doing a lot of research on failed successful ministries. Um, and they burden my soul because uh, these were leaders in the faith in our current culture that, that led us well. You could argue that led us really well, but then they, they fell to their own um, – passions to their mm. their own urges at the end proving you know pro- proving at the end of the day that they were human just like the rest of us yeah. right um so on this quest to make an impact we as men we embrace a lot we you know we, we put a target on our back right yeah, yeah. and uh i think for me i i don't without god i don't possess the necessary attributes to to be what uh, any man should be in setting out on a a, a path of pursuit in righteousness. Um, it's it's so interesting because most endeavors that are not necessarily um, of God doesn't mean they're evil. But like if you start out a business that's not stating to be a you know Christian business or whatever, you kind of go out on your talent. You're qualified, right? But the the challenge when we set out on making a difference in Christ is that none of us are qualified. Yeah. And so um, a person who may happen to possess, and I'm, I'm not going to say any names on this, but there's been 10 mi- massive ministries. We're mm. talking thousands, you know, 15,000 si- member-sized churches um, that that have just fallen to such scandal, right? And I don't necessarily fault the leaders because they're just human, right? And they yeah. and they failed. They had a sincere heart, you know, and... and uh, we, we have to definitely shift this piece. And I think the prayer for me is that I would have the whatever uh, desire inside that needs to stay the course mm. so that, number one, I can be fine with pursuing God's call in obscurity. Yeah. That that's a challenge for me. Can I could I stay the course if Captain's Log never went past 10 people? Um, that's the heart that I want. Like, that's yeah. the desire. Yeah. That's the desire I want because I think God would say at at the point of 10 people, it's the most successful it will ever be in his eyes. It's the most pleasing, right? Because that is that that point where I have the most faith because I'm believing for God to move. And simultaneously, he is saying, no, but I I, I love 10 people. We can go deep with 10 people. Yeah. At 10,000 people, we embrace a different challenge. And 10,000 people might more be more of a, you know, as the proverbist would say, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. I would say that's the fire because that's a different 
a different battle. Um, so, but for here, I want to stay the course so badly inside that I would listen to the call of God and fulfill, you know, the, the following the destiny and obscurity. And I, I'd encourage that for all men, that we would begin to pray and hold each other accountable yeah. that we can stay the course because nobody sees the sacrifices you make in our marriage. The most valuable things, nobody sees the sacrifices we make for our kids, yeah. right? And so the the things that are most valuable, usually, as we know, they're always done in secret, right? And so I, I, want, I want prayer for that. I want to be genuine in, in the quiet place, you know? Mm, yeah. So for whatever that's worth, I thank you for asking for sure. Well, this uh, the listeners on this podcast, I would ask that they would pray for you too, Mitch, and me, you know, as men, as leaders, as uh, husbands, as fathers— that we finish well. Yeah. So, brother, thanks for this time, man. Yeah, it's been man. great to reconnect with you. And in six months, dude, we're going to hop back on here, see where Mitch is at. Uh, by then, your book will hopefully have been written. Yeah. yeah completed, yeah, yeah. Lord willing. And thanks to all the guests that listen every week, man. We really appreciate you as always. We do uh, hope and pray this impacts somebody, whether it's one person or 10,000. Uh, we don't want to just make fans. We want to make followers of Jesus. I love that, by the way. (laughs) So, well, brother, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you, and we'll be praying for you. Buddy, I can't thank you enough. Blessings, man. Yeah, thank you, sir.